So just a reminder of some of our core values that we have been talking about. I think we've got them on the screen, um, hopefully. There we go. So we've been going through these, and we've talked through some of them. We went through Jesus is our message. We walked out. We love where we lived by serving our city. We, before we even got into our name change, prayer laid the path. And every single week, scripture is our standard. Last week, and our next gen killed it. We said next gen is our now. And today, we're going to be talking about one that I think is, is really important, but at the same time, it's super practical. It's a very, very practical thing that we're going to be talking about today. And each one of these are things that we see in scripture. But all of these are also one, we, what we did as a team, we sat around and we just said, what are the things that we want to be known as, as a church? And the list could be 50 things long. But as you're trying to just narrow it down to stuff that we can remember, that we can, um, as we're leading our teams, as we're in our community, things that we can just take to heart, we thought, what are some things that we really find important? There was a few words that kept coming up. Words like excellence, words like generosity. Words like integrity, and you don't see any of those words on that screen. Because as we began to think those through, we thought those are so, they're really broad, big words. They're hard to define. They're hard to measure sometimes. If you tell someone, you know, measure excellence, and you're like, I don't know, what are you talking about? Because a lot of times, integrity and generosity, they're not things that maybe you can easily define or measure, but they're things that you know. When you see it, you know it. When you experience it, you know what it feels like. When, you, when you're surrounded by it, you just, you have an awareness of it. It's kind of like if you ask somebody, define the color yellow. Define the color yellow. You, you can maybe come up with the definition. If you ask the question, how much does the color yellow weigh? Think about this. How much does the color yellow weigh? You're like, that's a dumb question. Why would you even ask that? So I was kind of preparing this message and I saw this YouTube video. I'm like, this fits perfect with what I'm doing. And I'm not going to show it to you because it was kind of long. But there's this playground worker. And out on the playground with a bunch of like first through fourth-ish grade kids. And he asked these kids this question. How much does the color yellow weigh? And how many of you guys know when you ask a kid a question, <laughs> you're going to get some interesting answers. And a lot of them are like, I don't know, five pounds. Like, I don't know, like... Would you leave me alone? I'm trying to play. But some of them had some great answers that I have to read some of these. I wrote them down as, they were, as I was watching them. One kid said, so how much does the color yellow weigh? I don't know. Bananas weigh a lot. Bananas don't weigh a lot. School buses do. I don't know. Would you stop asking me? You're weird. <laughs> One kid, he had all kinds of attitude. He said, you know, how much does the color yellow weigh? Are you joking? I'm not a scientist. I don't even wear glasses. <laughs> Isn't it weird when you're a kid, you thought the people who wear glasses were smart? No, they're just blind. I, I... <laughs> this one was good. My fish had a name. His name was Yellow. He's dead now. <laughs> he didn't weigh very much or he would have clogged the toilet. <laughs> This one's simple. They asked the kid. The kid ran off. Like he said, how much does the color yellow weigh? And this kid bolts. He's like, okay, whatever. And then the kid comes running back. Says, my sister says yellow weighs $1 million. <laughs> I don't know how yellow weighs $1 million. And then this was the best one. And this is what happens. Most of the kids are like first, second graders. If you start asking fourth and fifth graders questions, 
If you guys have had kids that grow up, you know, kindergarten first, they're kind of obnoxious, but they're really sweet. And as they get older, things become less sweet and more attitude. And the attitude goes from just a little bit of a disobedience to this. How much does the color yellow weigh? And this kid says, I don't know. How much does your mom weigh? <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? That would have been my son and that would not have gone well. But again, we ask this, it's a silly question when you ask how much does the color yellow weigh, but yellow is something you experience. It's something you see. When you see it, you know it. And as we began to think through what excellence and generosity, what is that? How can you, how can we measure it? What's maybe one statement that we can wrap all of those things into? And it's this simple statement. We all give our best. Everyone should be bringing and giving our best. If we're integrous, that means we're giving our best. If we're doing things with excellence, that means we're giving our best. If we're being generous, which means it's all of us giving our best. Since you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians. Chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 15. We're going to read through verse 17. This is one of those passages, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard this, but it's, it's a really important passage. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, this could be an excellent passage if we were going into a, just a, a gratitude Thanksgiving message. That word is all throughout there. But I want us to really focus in on verse 17 today. It says, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Whatever we do, we're supposed to do it in the name of the Lord. We're supposed to give our very best in everything and whatever we do. And I want you to hear me on this because this is important. When, it, when I say best... I'm not saying that you need to be the best. I'm saying you, we all need to give our best. So it's not a competition with each other. It's not a competition with other churches. It's not a competition. So being the best is a competition. Doing your best is something completely different. And the difference is you know what your best is. For the most of us, that's why we, we wanted to use the statement. Because for the most part, you know what your best is and you know when you're not giving it. You have an understanding of what that looks like. The aim is not outperforming anyone else. It's about offering our finest effort. It's not about outperforming. It's about saying, am I giving my best effort? And it's important to understand the difference between these. I, I've got three kids. And if you've got multiple kids, you know that each one is different. And you know, a lot of times, a lot of you have multiple kids. How many of you guys got tricked by the first one? And the first one was just like kind of easy. And, and God tricked you because he wanted you to have more kids. And then as the first one grew up, the first one became not the, yeah. So it's this whole trick that God has. Um, but the truth is, is if you have multiple kids, you know that they're, they've got different skill sets. They've got different abilities. There's some where their best and something is just amazing and significant. And you know where their strength is. And you know when they're giving it and when they're not. 
And you also know where their struggles are. And no matter how best they try, they're just going to struggle in this, this area, in this space. We have a heavenly father who knows our strengths. He knows our struggles. And he's a good father that can see when are they actually giving their very best? And when is it that they're just kind of, eh. They're just kind of halfway doing it. It's that, you know, we were using all those words that the kids used last week. It's, you're kind of mid. Like just, eh, yeah. Just kind of going halfway. And the thing I've always asked for my kids, I've said it forever, just give your best. Just give your best. And I know what your best is because I'm your dad and I've been around you enough that I love you enough that I know what best looks like. And I know when you're sitting with your mom around the table because my kids do school at home and you're whining and complaining and she's making you do jumping jacks, that's because you weren't giving your best. (laughs) Yeah, we make them do jumping jacks when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But God is asking us, just be sincere and go all in. Do your best. God doesn't demand perfection, guys. He seeks, though, our sincere dedication. So God doesn't say, I want you to be perfect. Jesus did that. Jesus is perfect. But he does say, I want your sincere dedication going all out. So what does that mean? That verse, it said the word whatever. And whatever seems like this big massive, broad word. Like, what, what does whatever mean? Whatever means whatever. Okay, it, it's in everything that you do. It means in everything that you do, we should be doing it as we're doing it for Jesus. And so I've got to ask you this question because you've got to ask yourself this personal question. What does your best look like? Think about your life. What does my best look like? And am I giving it in everything? In everything I do, am I giving my best? And I don't mean your Sunday best, because we all know how to show up on Sunday. I'm talking about your everyday Monday through Friday. I'm at work and I'm ticked off at my boss best. Driving my kids to school best. Wake up in the morning best. Like, what is that whatever? And are you doing it in the name of Jesus? And before I get... A little bit deeper, let me get super practical. I'm going to get real basic, real honest. I'm going to pick on myself a lot. Because sometimes when we think about our best, we think these big lofty goals. And we're like, we think about, you know, we're probably going to talk about generosity and serving. I'm going to start real, real simple and real basic of a way that we can give our best. How many of you guys regularly change the toilet paper roll? How many of you guys are the people that... How many of you guys are the people that leave? Let me give you the, the scenario. Who's the ones that leave just the little tiny bit on the roll and don't change it? I'm going to admit something. That's me. I'm the guy who, I don't know, I just, I don't think about it that much. And you don't think about it that much until you're the one that sits down and you forgot to check. And you're stuck. And you're stuck. You're like, why didn't I sit one on top of the, I don't know, this is the worst. But I'm that guy that sometimes I just, I won't even remember to change the roll of toilet paper. And then here's the worst thing I do. I'll see that it needs new toilet paper and I'll get it. And I know this seems dumb that we're talking about this. 
but I won't even put it on the thing. You know the thing? It takes like half an extra second to actually put it on the toilet paper roll. No, I'll just sit it on top of the roll. It's so stupid. And I'm bringing this up for this reason. I knew I was writing this message this week. I knew I was using this passage of whatever. And I, th- I saw just the roll of toilet paper with hardly anything on it. And I thought to myself this, and I made it a, a slide. I said, what if I change this roll like I'm changing it for Jesus? <laughs> what if I change this roll? Like I'm cha- because if I knew Jesus was coming over to my house, you know what I'd make sure that there was enough of in that bathroom? Toilet paper. Whenever I know people are coming over to my house, I prepare for them to be there. It's just a simple, simple whatever. But you've got to start sometimes with those simple bringing your best. I know it seems so silly and so practical, but here's another thing that I, I do notoriously. I leave socks around the house. How many guys are sock leavers or stuff leavers? If it's not a sock, it might be something else. Stop doing that. I'm, what I'm really bad at is for some reason, I don't know why I've done this forever, I'll leave like one sock laying around and take, I don't know, it's the dumbest thing. I'll walk around with one sock on. I don't know how it happens. But I was noticing, I'm like thinking of all these horrible little habits that I have. I'm like, I'm going to speak big, but let's get real practical. I was talking to the kids around the table and I said, I'm going to pick on myself a little bit. And my daughter reminded me of something that I do. Kids will always remind you of the dumb things you do. And she said, Dad, if you want to bring your best, here's something that you do that's not your best. How many guys have ever gone to Walmart and you're reaching out for some Lucky Charms and you see a hammer and motor oil sitting next to the Lucky Charms? And you're like, how did this get here? That was me. (laughs) I'm the guy that picks up stuff thinking I might need this, we might buy this. And then instead of taking a little bit of time to take it back or put it somewhere useful, man, wherever I am, I just set it down. Stop doing that if you do that. Like those aren't, th- those aren't ways that we're bringing our best. That's not bringing your best in your whatevers. Because if it's really whatever, it's not just the big things, it's the small things. Because when you bring your best in the small things, you're telling God, I'm ready for the big things. When you bring your best in just those little things, when you bring your best in just the small stuff, you're saying, God, okay, I'm ready for the big stuff. And it seems silly. But start small. Put your shopping cart away. Use your turn signals. Like these little things that we can do. That it doesn't always have to be big and practical. It can be basic and simple. Because when people see us just living an exemplary life in the small things, we start to stand out. And it gives us an opportunity to, to not try to think I'm better than, but I can point someone to who is better than, and it's Jesus. Amen. So, whatever you do. And bringing your best, it starts with right where you are. And I, I believe there's two areas that I really want to hit today where God wants our best. And it's two areas that really mean a lot to us. God wants our best with our service, and our stuff. He wants our best with our time and our resources. And the truth is, 
Our time and our resources, that means our money and our stuff, are usually the things that are most important to us. They're the things that we think about the most. I don't know what that was. But the reality is they can become above God if we're not careful. So we're going to talk about what it looks like to really focus in with our time and our stuff. Let's, let's talk about our service first. In Exodus chapter 4, we find this conversation between God and Moses. You know, Emily just mentioned this conversation of Moses talking to God and saying, you're on holy ground and take off your shoes and a burning bush is speaking to Moses and Moses is talking with God. That's crazy to think of in the first place. But he's having this conversation with God and God's calling him to do something and Moses is starting to argue, I can't, can't do this. What are you talking about? I'm not, I'm not equipped. I'm not prepared. And God says something to him. Exodus chapter four, verse two, he says, what is in your hand? And in Moses' hand was just a, a staff, a shepherd's tool. And I, I think when God said, what's in your hand? Moses was like, it's a stick I picked up along the way. It's a stick I've picked up along the way to help me on my path to defend the sheep that I'm taking care of, to keep them in line going where. It's just a stick. That's all I have. And then God gives an instruction. Take what's in your hand and release it onto the ground. And when he releases it on the ground, God does something incredible. And then he picks it back up and God says, now go and lead. And God uses Moses and his basic, because he had used this thing to, to walk, to protect, to lead. And God said, I'm giving a new purpose to something that was already ordinary in your life because you're going to go and protect and lead my people into a promised land. And a lot of times God is asking us to serve and he's asking us to give up something. And we're like, I don't have anything to give, God. Like, what do I have to give? Because there are a lot of ordinary things that you do that are actually very useful and extraordinary if you put them in God's hands. And God is just saying, well, I don't, I'm not asking for anything special. What's in your hand? What are you good at? Some of you guys are amazing artists. Some of you guys can sing. Some of you guys are just really good with your hands. Some of you guys are great listeners. And you might think, I, I don't have anything big to offer. And God's saying, no, no, no. What's in your hand? What is it that you already are carrying? What is it that you're already doing? And then you have to do the next thing. Take what's in your hand and release it. And then let God take something that was just completely normal and do something completely overwhelming and amazing because he's God. God specializes in turning our nothing special into something spectacular. Because we're really good at thinking, I'm nothing special. I don't have anything special. And God's saying, I have something special for you, but you got to surrender yourself to me first. That's giving your best. It's giving it all to God. It's, it's your whatever. All of us have that thing. It's just our whatever. And God's saying, no, no, no. Your whatever is really important to me. Give it to me. Release it to me. I don't have time to go into this story today, but if you have time this week, read Acts chapter 9. We live in Quilt City, so you all should know this, you should learn this story. It's the story of a, a lady named Dorcas. That is not something that we should be naming our kids, okay? <laughs> Tabitha is what they call her as well, but it's Dorcas. Do not name your kid Dorcas unless you want them to get picked on. But Dorcas is just a seamstress. 
She made clothes. And the way that she did this, she, she used this thing that was in her hand. She offered her talent to God and she served people with that. And if you read in Acts chapter 9, people are blessed by her. Some amazing things happen. She dies. She comes back. Like it, there's this incredible stuff that happens because someone said, okay, here's just a skill I have. It may not be much, but I'm going to give everything I have to God. And I think that's what God is asking from each one of us. It's not a comparison. It's what is in your hand. What is the thing that you're already doing, that you're already good at, that maybe you've overlooked? And God said, I'm not overlooking that thing. I want you to release it and surrender it to me. Jesus was great at using whatever was around to make a significant impact. And I think part of the reason he did that is to show us I can use whatever however, whoever, to do whatever I want to do. He was willing to use whatever to serve the needs of other people. And when you serve with what you have, you're echoing the heart of Jesus. Jesus, what did he say? He said, I came to serve, not to be served. And then he called us to do the same, to give up our lives and our time. But the truth is, I know I love having my time, and I'm sure you guys do too, and when you serve somebody, that means you have to give up that thing. You have to give up your time. But when you do that, man, it's so fulfilling when you give your whatever to God. So let's shift our focus then and talk about this second thing. It's our stuff. And our stuff is our tangible resources. The things that we've been blessed with, whether they're modest, whether they're vast, we've all been blessed with something, whether you're the, remember there's the, the boy with his simple lunch. And Jesus also talks about people with vast barns full of things. No matter if you have big or little, we've all been blessed with something. Luke 9 is one of the, the messages and moments when Jesus had to use a lunch to feed thousands. And the disciples are worried. If you read in Luke 9, there's a crowd of thousands and they're getting hungry. And the disciples, they don't see anything that's available to feed these people. And they tell them, Jesus, tell these people to go home. Like, tell them to get out of here. We, don't, we can't feed them. Like, get them, get them gone. We don't have the things they need. And they look to Jesus and they, they say, He's, the people are hungry. And Jesus says this, Luke 9.13 he says, you give them something to eat. We see lots of struggles in our community. We see lots of need. There's lots of different things going on. And sometimes what we do is we keep crying out to God, God, change stuff. God, do this. Or we say, God, we just, sometimes we pray prayers like, God, just wipe them out. Let's be honest. And here's what God is saying. No, 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 no. You do it, church. You go find a way to meet the, meet the need. And we are like, I don't have much. And the disciples, they're like, we don't have much. All we found is this one little lunch. And how many of you guys know, when you take even just a little and you put it in the hands of Jesus, man, he can multiply it and do amazing, magnificent things. But when it comes to our stuff, we like our stuff. In our Western culture, the stuff becomes the main thing that we run after. 
houses, monies, accumulation of things. Man, I was out just yesterday and it's, you know, it's getting time to, to decorate and people, how many of you guys are early decorators? How many of you guys are not, it is not even Thanksgiving yet. You, got, you, you guys weren't out yesterday, let me tell you, because all the early decorators were out yesterday. But it's incredible how much we're, we, we consume to just decorate, but we won't even give at all to be generous. And I think Jesus is wanting to say to us what he said to those disciples. We, I know there's lots of need. You feed them. You take care of them. What do you have? Bring your best. The, they look at the, this little lunch and they think, we don't, this isn't going to do anything. But I wrote this, our limited resources, when they're placed in the hands of an unlimited God, can yield huge results, unimaginable results. If you don't think you have anything, just give it to, give it to God and see what he can do with it. And here's what I want us to hear. You know, in John, it talks about it being a, a boy's lunch. The boy didn't, the lunch wasn't given with the expectation from the boy that he was going to get a whole bunch back in return. The boy wasn't giving the lunch so that he could be fed. The boy was giving the lunch to help thousands of other people be fed. What we've sometimes taught at church is that we give because we believe God will give us back something. That back something may not look like you think because we've all already been blessed with that back something and that is Jesus, that's salvation, it's forgiveness, it's reconciliation, it's a peace from being generous. The boy didn't give because he thought, well, if I give, because at the end, you know what happens? There's lots of leftovers that I'm sure he got to be a part of taking that home. But his intention of giving wasn't so he could get back. We need to stop that type of teaching in church. That's false teaching. That's prosperity gospel type stuff. That's give to get. It's a form of manipulation that I won't, I won't do that. Because I can't see that in scripture. God's not out there saying, hey, you know what? Test me and if you give, I'll give you the same in return. We take verses out of Malachi and mess them up and we just aren't going to do that. Because we believe God's already been so generous to us. And our generosity and the way that we give is simply a response to what he's already done. What we have to learn to say is what I have isn't mine, it's mine so that I can be a blessing to other people. God's giving me all these things so that I can pour into others. And our, our giving has to be a response to his outpouring of grace and not a down payment on blessings. When we think that our giving can manipulate God to do something in return, we are way out of line. We give because God has blessed us. You're going to hear me start saying this a lot when I talk about generosity, when I encourage you guys to serve and to give. And it's, it's a very simple statement, but it's we give our best because God gave us his. We give our best, not because I want something back, but I give my best. You should give your best because God gave us his. It's a response. Now, none of, it, none of this, guys, none of what I'm saying is new to most of us. None of this is 
earth-shattering, ground-shaking type of news. We've all heard that we should give our best, that we should help people, that we should be generous. But we've all heard this, but then how come we're not doing it? I believe it's because we hear this little voice inside of our head. And it's this little voice that says, you know what? I know what they're talking about giving your time and your resources and giving, and you don't really have it. You don't have enough to really make a difference. Just, just keep what you have. Maybe someday, maybe later on, when things get a little less busy, when maybe you're, you're making a little more money, but just for now, you don't really have it. Just stay where you're supposed to be. That is not from God. That is a lie from the enemy that he wants to just keep you in, in this trap of, I don't have enough. I don't have enough to give. I'm too strapped. I'm, my, I don't have enough time. And it's human nature to push against that because all of us actually, deep inside of us, want to be generous. And so here's what we do. Because we have this desire to be generous. But God wants to be generous with our firsts. And a lot of times what we like to be generous with because we're like, I still want to be generous. And we give our leftovers. There's a donation. There's a clothing drive going on. And what we do is we go get all the stuff that we don't actually wear anymore. That doesn't fit us. That's maybe out of fashion. And we donate that stuff. And then we feel, man, I'm generous. No, you gave your leftovers. That's great. If you're not going to wear them, bless them with somebody else. But is that really giving your very best. Malachi chapter 1. I talked about Malachi chapter 3. It's this verse that a lot of times we use in church. But Malachi 1 is not really preached a lot. And I'm about to step on a couple toes. So just be ready. Malachi chapter 1 verse 8. Malachi speaking to the, to the people. And he says, when you offer... Blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering that to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he be accepted, says the Lord Almighty? Malachi is not playing here. He's calling out the people of God for basically giving their leftovers. They're coming to offer sacrifices. They're coming to offer sacrifices. And what they're really doing is just they're offering their leftovers. You know, they've got the one goat that keeps running into the tree because he's kind of blind. The other sheep that it doesn't buy, it boos, you know. <laughs> this one that's got a messed up eye. And it's, it's time to go make a sacrifice. And they go, you know, that, that three-legged sheep? Man, let's, let's bring that one and offer that sacrifice. And they're offering these disease, these blind, these... And they're offering that as their sacrifice. That's not a sacrifice. They didn't want that thing to begin with. That was their leftovers. And this verse, God is saying, would you even give that to your governor? He's saying, would you, who else would you offer this to? Why are you giving this to me? I know you have something better. Let me give this example to us. So this Friday night, at my house, we're hosting all the young adults. If you're a young adult, um, we'd love to have you there. Friday night, we're having Friendsgiving. So we're, everybody's bringing some stuff. If you want more information, you, there's a number to text. You can sign up. We'd love to have you there. 
But this Friday night, we're having Friendsgiving. We're going to eat. There's going to be food. It's going to be fun. And how many guys know, what's, what happens after Thanksgiving? There's lots of what? Leftovers. How many guys like leftovers? I don't like leftovers. Um, but some people really do. But there's going to be a lot of leftovers. But on that night, we're going to be prepared. People are coming with food. Everything's going to be fresh. Now, let's say the next week, so I had all the young adults over. Next week, I'm inviting somebody over. I don't know who. It's somebody really prominent in the city. I don't know who that would be. And I'm inviting them over to the house. And they come on over. And they're coming over to the house. Look, at there's a sock in here. That's great. That's one of my socks I probably left. <laughs> and they come and they sit down and I pull out. I don't know what this is. This I pulled out of the very back of our freezer before I left. And they come over to my house. And they're sitting down for a meal. And there's someone that I really think is super important. And I crack this open and I set it down in front of them like, hey, let's go. What are you guys going to think they're going to be? A little confused, right? Was he, was this, were you ready for me to come over? Is this leftover day? Like, were you prepared for me? What, what's going on? This is how we approach giving to God. Of our time, of our resources. If I have a little bit extra, I'll give it. If the preacher does good today, I'll give today. If worship was exciting, great. We don't come with the intention prepared to be generous, to prepare to be, give our best. We just give whatever's left over. It stinks. Yeah, I can smell it. It stinks. And I think that's what God's doing sometimes. Like, what you're giving to me. I'm not pleased with that. That stinks. And we're like, man, I, I gave. What are you talking about? No, no, no. You didn't gave. You gave your leftovers. And there's a difference. And if we read on in, in Malachi 2, I'm not going to ask you to do this, but the Bible's funny. And in Malachi chapter 2, it goes on. And he, God's frustrated because they're just giving their leftovers. And right at the beginning of chapter 2, he says, if you keep doing this, I'm going to rub poop in your face. That is literally what it says. You can read it. This is harsh language, but God is saying your leftovers are crap. I don't want that. I want your best. God doesn't want our leftovers. He doesn't want our scraps. He wants our best. He wants our full devotion. You know, if we got a, a chicken and we just started, we, we're going to offer it to God. Maybe it's one of those rotisserie roasted chickens you get at Sam's Club. I've been there, I've done it before, and what we do is we're like, okay, well, I gotta take care of myself. So you start eating a little bit of it. I gotta make sure the bills are paid. I gotta make sure this is, and before you know it, all we have left is scraps, and we think, well, okay, here, God, this is what you can have. Because we serve ourselves first before we go to God and give Him anything. God doesn't want our scraps, God doesn't want our leftovers. And I thought of this when I was writing this, and it's just, I thought, what's the best thing that I have? What's the best thing that I own? Not my family. That's the best thing I have. What's the best thing I own? What's the most expensive thing, the biggest thing I own? I'm thinking about my, my house, my cars. I said, would I be willing to part with that if God asks me to? 
If God said, I want you to give this away so that it can make an impact in somebody else's life. And I'm not saying he's doing that to me or to any of you. He might be, I don't know. But I thought, man, would I actually be willing to give that up if God asked me to? And I don't know that I would. But I see all throughout scripture, God asked people to do crazy stuff just like that. To make a kingdom impact. We have to have in the mindset, everything that I have belongs to God. And am I using it to make a difference in others? I'm not the shining example, but I know when we were moving here. And we were looking for a house. One of the main things I looked for in a house is how many people can I fit in this place so that I can help them meet and follow Jesus? My house is a tool. And if you don't see your house as a tool to help people know Jesus, you need to change your mindset. If you're like, I don't want to have any, but this is my space. No, this is God's space. Everything that I own has to belong to God. It doesn't mean that I necessarily need to sell it and give the, if he asks me to, I got to, I got to really pray about that. But he's given it to me as a tool and a resource. That's why I'm never ashamed to be like, hey, my house isn't completely done and ready. But guess what? You all want to come over? God's given me this to host people and to be there with them. As we kind of close, I want to land the plane with this verse in Ecclesiastes. We've been all over scripture today, but Ecclesiastes verse 9, I mean, chapter 9, verse 10. And it starts sim- similar to that passage in Colossians. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. It's very similar to what we read Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, do with all your might. But then it says this crazy, weird thing. that At first you're reading, like, what is that? It says, for in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. And we could be like, okay, I get the first part. Work hard, do your best. I heard you, you've said it 50 times. But that second part, what it's telling us is your days are not endless here on this planet. There will be a time when your life ends. And I've been to enough funerals to see the ones that took this verse seriously. And they poured out everything they had to make a difference in the life of others and in their community. And let me tell you, the community turns out like crazy. And their story after story, man, of how generous this person was, the impact they made because of the time they spent with other people. That they understood my time is not forever. And so I'm going to do whatever I have to do with all of my might. And I've also been at those funerals where people don't know exactly what to say. And they'll give little nice statements. Maybe a person or two will say something. And it's not even about the size of the crowd. It's the impact that they made because they just didn't live a life of giving it away and giving their best. And I said this already, but I I don't want any of you, because you don't know how long you have left here. I don't want any of you to live in the land of one day win. Because we all have been in that land before. One day, when I get more money, then I'll give. No, you won't, because you're not giving when you don't have any money. One day, when things are less busy, then I'll get involved. Come on, let's be honest. If we live in that land, 
again, we don't, Ecclesiastes 9, it says, give your best because the grave has no need for your money. The grave has no need for your talent. So use it now for the glory of the Lord today. Let it be said of you that you did everything within your power to help people meet and follow Jesus. So I want to challenge you with something. First with the little things. The silly little things. Replace the toilet paper roll, guys. Do the little things. Push the shopping cart back where it goes, guys. Even if it's a long way away. Clean out your car with your relationships. Give your mom or dad a call today. Let them know you love them. Tell your spouse something good about them that they've done, your kids, and be an encouragement to them. Get to know your neighbors, make them some cookies, do something, give your best to them. And, and as you are a part of this church, don't just come to church, decide to be a part. Take ownership in your church. Go to open house, give generously. I want to challenge all of you guys. Last week we talked about this big give. And as you leave, I'm going to give you a card. And it, our goal is to pour into our next generation. And next week we're going to take a, an offering. We're going to, I'm not going to pass any buckets or anything, but I'm going to really hammer and hit home what we're trying to do. And I want you to take this card and just pray about it. And just say, God, how would you like me to pour into the next generation? And again, there's three ways that we're doing this. We're trying to raise 30,000 bucks to give us a jump start on doing some things to pour into the next generation through marriage classes and resources. We know if we pour into marriages, it's going to help kids. Healthy marriages make healthy families. We've got a warehouse back here that we'd love to turn into an amazing space for our young adults so that they have a regular gathering spot so that people 18 to 30 can come and be poured into, that they can start off their adulthood with Christ. And then we'd love to be able to send some of our students out around the world on missions trips at a lower cost. So they still, they still have a part to play. But how many of you guys know traveling is very expensive? And I don't want any students to never be able to go on a missions trip because they can't afford it. So we want to help subsidize some of those costs. And I would take this home and just pray and say, God, what is my best that I can give towards this? I believe it's... As we all do it, that's why it's we all give our best. Then we'll meet this need, we'll blow it away. We'll be able to do some even more incredible and amazing things. And then I can get up here the first or second week of December and say, here's what you guys gave above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings. Because here's what we're going to do. It's whatever comes in above and beyond what we have budgeted. So we've got a budget that we've got. Because how many of you guys know we got to pay the, the light bills? We got to make sure the water's running. I got to make sure that, you know, we that Jace has food on his table. And sometimes when you do a big generosity campaign, everybody will stop doing that and give towards this. So we're going to pay our bills. But then everything after that is going straight to this. I'm going to come up and tell you guys here's how much we raised. And either we did it, we knocked it out of the park, we still got some ground to make up. But I'm going to believe that you guys are going to step up and say, God, what's my best? And we're going to do it.